0: I always say to people, better yourself so that you can better other people. Better yourself with the intention of, at the very least, being that example for somebody else by your presence. But do that, and and it's processional, and it's geometric, and that way, at the risk of sounding too noble, we change the planet.
1: It's my great pleasure to have on the Unstoppable Woman podcast, Joseph McClendon III, Not only is Joseph a doctor of neuropsychology and an ultimate performance specialist, he's a longtime business partner with Tony Robbins, has started the brain revolution along with Dr. Daniel Amen, and is a great follower of the teachings of, wait for it, Napoleon Hill in Think and Grow Rich. He and I share that in common and have bonded about that many times over when I was on his podcast, The Cure for the Common Life. Listen in today as Joseph shares how his self esteem was destroyed when three men tried to take his life because of the color of his skin and what he did to build it back and become the world leader that he is today. This is the kind of stuff that you can apply and use yourself every day. So please listen in and learn. Hey, Joseph. I am super excited to have you on the show. You are not a woman, but you are unstoppable. And I know that you are going to be able to share with our audience a huge amount of good juju and just extraordinary knowledge based on your, your, your education, your background, your background, your expertise, and all that you have done in this world. So I want to give you a big, hearty welcome. I'm super excited to have you here.
0: Well, thank you. And I'm excited to be here as well. Thank you for having me on your podcast. And you're absolutely right. I am not a woman, <laughs> although <laughs> I came from a woman, and as we all did. And I'm thrilled to be here. Thank you for that wonderful introduction. Um, and I'm always thrilled to be able to share the things that have been shared with me. There. As I know, you know, you and I are kindred spirits in that way, because you're that way as well.
1: I love it. I love it. So let's contextualize who you are and what you're about uh, for our audience. So why don't you share with me a little bit about, you know, tell me your origin story. Where did you come from? What was the what were the big uh, moments in your life that got you to where you are now? What's the before? What's the after?
0: Well, as I said, I came from a woman, <laughs> my mom. <laughs> and um, I, I actually had a really good childhood Um compared to, uh, you know, a lot of people that I have uh, had an engagement with throughout my life. Um, I had great parents. My father was, a, uh, was in the military, the Air Force. So he was very, very strict. I hated it at the time, honestly, because he was like military. You had to make your bed every day. And my dad was that guy that he showed us how to make a bed military style, which meant you had to be able to bounce a quarter off of it. And I'm not kidding. And every day, and I hated it, and my sisters hated it as well. My mom was an accomplished opera singer, a uh, Juilliard uh, graduate, and, um, and so they, they both understood discipline, rehearsal, practice, and all that stuff, and they instilled that in us. And I had a great childhood, but when I was 17 and a half, um, I was riding my motorcycle in a place called Bakersfield, California, and um, my motorcycle broke down, the chain came off, and I pulled into a gas station to fix it. And it was at that point my life changed because three grown men um, tried to take my life because of the color of my skin. And not only did they, they almost killed me, they did. And, but the things that they said to me while they were doing that, these were adult men. And, uh, the sequence of things that happened after that, they left me unconscious for dead. And, um, and that, Destroyed me, for lack of a better term. It destroyed my self-esteem. It destroyed, because that was, that's the foundation of everybody, I believe, our belief in ourselves. And all that I'd been taught went out the window. And I became homeless. I wound up living in a cardboard box behind an old drive-in theater in Lancaster, California. And what changed my life was somebody that I didn't know, Amira, somebody that was a kind person, gave me a book, and the book was called, as you know, Think and Grow Rich, and insisted that I read the book and i read the book and i always tell people i read the book and i did what the book said which is critical i was desperate and i and i did it and my life changed and so what brings me and has brought me to where i am now is that when i went back to that man to thank him and i said listen you've changed my life i'm you know forever indebted to you and it gave me back my my not only my dignity but it or the beginnings of it anyway but it also taught me that that i could I I could not just manifest where I was going to go, but I could take control of my own life, how I felt and everything. What he told me was, he said, Joseph, how you repay me is that you do the same thing that I've done for you, for as many people as you can for the rest of your life. And to be honest with you, I was was 19 at that time, by the time that happened. I didn't really take it that seriously. But as time went on, I started to realize that is my calling. And that's why I do what I do now.
1: I love it. I love it. So many places to dig into there. So thank you for sharing that story. Now, you and I both work with this concept of identity and our belief structure. Mm -hmm. Can you tell me a little bit about, because you had a very strong, stable childhood with two parents that were were very present in your life, Was, was it the shock of the moment that this 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 hatred, this stuff that affected your uh, belief about yourself—is it the shock of the moment that that allowed that to get in and destroy you? That's a great question,
0: and I I will say this: that yes, that had something to do with it. On and on the surface, that that would that would seem to be, and it was. That was a significant emotional event. But the brilliance of your question—it just triggered something that was already there. And what I mean by that is that, you know, and I I say this being a black man and being, you know, growing up black in the United States, there's something called epigenetics. It's two things. One is called epigenetics and the other is just social conditioning. And epigenetics is this fascinating science of how the beliefs and the fears of the ancestors get handed down into the genetics, the actual DNA of the offspring. There's, you know, I forgot the name of the, uh, the book, but you just look up epigenetics and there's like several, several different experiments where they took uh, mice and human beings, by the way, but the human beings, it was a longer study, but the one that stuck out to me the most was they took mice and they introduced the smell of, I think it was like vanilla or cinnamon or something like that. And every time they introduced the smell, they would shock the mouse. They would give the mouse some pain. Introduce the, the uh, smell, shock the mouse, over and over again, until pretty soon, all they had to do was introduce the smell, and, the, and the, mice, the mouse would go into shock, it would go into fear. But the interesting thing was, down the road, 10, 15 generations, the offspring of those mice, they, did, they didn't shock them, all they had to do was introduce the smell, and the, and the, the animal would go into fear. And it's That's fascinating. And, yeah, it is fascinating, but it's, it's the same with human beings. And so there was, you know, in, in, in my race, all of my ancestors, all of them were beaten, uh, enslaved, raped, and, and, and let's just say psychologically hijacked to believe the worst about ourselves. So that some of that lived inside of me. And I always say to my, my, my first book that I wrote was about that. Um, I always say to my... Black sisters and brothers that we have a psychological wound that needs to be healed. So when I remember when I said that the things that they said to me as they were beating me, that triggered some of it as well, as well as just the social side of it. Um, you know, just being here in the United States and those things. So that was a that was a catalyst, I guess. And I say this obviously, I'm black and saying this, but I, I it, it's across the board. The color of one's skin, yes, predisposes you to have certain Uh, you know beliefs about oneself and so on and so forth the other thing was and i say this from a social side is that there's an experiment that was done called the black baby doll experiment where they took a white baby doll and a black baby doll and they showed uh these children between the ages of three and five years old and they said to the to the black children they said show me the point of the baby that's wrong bad and ugly and all of those babies pointed to the black baby doll they said point to the baby doll that's good right and pretty and all of them pointed to the white one which means epigenetically, as well as socially, by age three years old, they already view themselves as being wrong, bad, and ugly. All of that to say, you no, know, whether the color of your skin, your gender, whatever, we all carry with us beliefs about ourselves, as you know, the, the evidence of your conversation or your, your question, the identity that we have with ourselves determines mm-hmm. our, our trajectory in life, period.
1: Yes, so true, so true. And the way I learned it was you know, we can change beliefs if I was, I was taking it from a a different perspective, but it's totally in line with what you're saying that we can, there's two ways to change our beliefs about ourselves. One is to, you know, constant space repetition to really like, like reaffirm again and again, the, 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 the person that you are. And the other is that something gets in when it is this, this extreme moment that shocks you, right? There's a, a, a car accident or, or a, an event like you, you experience where it just gets in, but you're adding layers to this as well. Cause it's that event plus the epigenetics plus the social conditioning, all of that fascinating. So now, now the flip side is that you've had a, from there, with Think and Grow Rich, which you and I both, uh, you know, we've talked about it a lot. I was on your podcast. Everyone should go run, don't walk, listen to his podcast. It's great. Um, it's called The Cure for the, the Common Life. Correct. And, yes. uh, go, go look it up. Look, it's a great podcast. Uh, but the, the after story is you... you at UCLA, you've, you've, you've got a doctorate, you are now in personal development, you're on stage with Tony Robbins, right? Your life is like this, this great after story. So what, and I know that you have uh, a deep, deep, deep knowledge of psychology. So can you talk to us about how you went from that experience the think and grow rich stuff, the psychology that you use to get to where you are now and then how you've developed it from there because I know you put your own uh, lens on it, your own methodology to this work and and are teaching people about that. I'd love for you to share that with our audience. Yeah,
0: um, it's a a series of things, but here's, here's what I'll say for everybody. No matter your color, no matter your gender, no matter your stature in life, whatever it is, here's where we are. We start here, that, that old saying that the best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago, but the next best time is right now. So lose no more sleep or worry or any of that stuff on the past. And this saying, and everybody remember this saying, this made a difference in my life, and that is that it's never too late to have a happy childhood
1: I love that. I love that. (laughs) You know, it took me into my 40s to to like really get that. I wish I want to say I want to have revisionist history and want to say that like I moved through that in my 30s. But, you know, really it, it was. And I heard someone very much like what you said. I heard someone on a podcast say, you know what, like. Like, stop blaming your child yeah. for your life right now. You're 40, you're 50, you're 60. Come on already. And I was like, oh, you know, you're right. That's me. Okay, got to own that. Yeah.
0: Anyway, it's a, it's a rude awakening for a lot of people. And as much as I can uh, go back and say, okay, it was this, 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 and this, I can honestly say change started to happen geometrically, not incrementally. Geometrically, my life started to change very, very quickly, relatively. Was the moment that I realized that I can't change the past, but I can certainly change how I feel about the past, which means it will change my future. Which means, because I believe in process, I believe that process is progress. And so, even like I said, I did the exercises in the book, and they were simple, as you know, you know, you review the book so brilliantly. Um, Because a lot of people, as you know, they call it shelf help. They get that book, they read it once or some, they peruse it, and then they put it up on the shelf and they don't do it. I didn't. I sat down and I've been a stickler for that. And it's what I teach. It's in every single book that I teach, every course that I teach. It's let's do exercises. Let's do processes. And the processes were first for me to change my own identity. Now, at the time, I didn't know that that's what I was doing by doing those affirmations and doing things like that. But I realized that started to change, and I, uh, I developed a fascination for the human brain and how it functions as pertains to how we behave. And I, I first started studying psychology. Uh, that was my, my master's in, in college that I started studying. And anybody that tells you that they study psychology because they want to help other people is only telling you a half truth that they may not realize themselves. And that is, I mean I knew intuitively. That inside, I needed to help myself. I needed to fix myself, position heal myself, because that was another thing that my parents always taught me. Integrity means doing what you say, uh, and and um, virtue means being virtuous means to be to continue to do what you say, and um, yeah. and so I've always lived by that, and so I always felt like if I'm going to teach somebody something, I better well have been doing it myself, or at least taught somebody else, and so 100%. I started learning processes. Uh, to change myself, and then I started learning processes to help other people as well to fulfill that promise that I made. I got certified in neurolinguistics and neuroassociative conditioning and hypnotherapy and Gestalt therapy and everything. And then when I went for my doctorate, I will be straight up honest with you, I because I had been practicing and I even had a practice in Los Angeles for many years before I even went after that. Was I? I got that, and and I'm almost ashamed to say this, or or embarrassed to say this, but I got it because I got tired of having to explain to people what neurolinguistics was, what uh, neurowest, and all that other stuff was, and the stigma that comes along with uh, uh, things of that nature. Because it's so much easier to say, yes, I'm a psychologist.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. So, so you were studying all of these other things and really mastering them and 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 utilizing them concurrent to getting your doctorate, but it was like the doctorate that gave you the credibility and then you could use these tools in this methodology that worked in sync with what you were learning in academia. Yeah, I,
0: I will say that not as much as one would think. In other words, I had been teaching at UCLA way before that. Um, and, and the professors that were, uh, that were uh, in that alumni there They'd had doctors for years and years. They, they were, I mean, my students were smarter than me <laughs> in most cases. But what I realized was my methodology of producing change. I jokingly, seriously say that you know, I'm, I'm definitely unorthodox in the way that I teach and go about getting the change, but I get results. And if you come into my office, you've got a fear of dogs, take a guess as what's going to be in my office. It's going to be a dog. And at the end of that hour, you're going to be fine. You're going to hold that dog. You're going to pet the dog and your fear is going to be gone. And I'm going to give you something to do when you leave my presence that you can fortify it and it grows geometrically and it becomes part of your nervous system.
1: So talk to me about, about that, because I know you've, you've worked um, in partnership with Tony Robbins. The first time I ran across you, you were on a stage in front of 8,000 people, um, and I know Tony's whole history was initially helping people cure their phobias, yes. right? That was how he got going, and and that sounds similar to how the example that you just shared. And I have a feeling it goes beyond just that. So can you tell me where, like, how the curing of phobias helps you with the other things that might not be You know, if if someone's thinking, oh, well, I don't have a phobia. Why should I be listening to this? The other things in our life that might be more subtle, like bad relationships or not being able to show up in your business or or these subtle things that stop you. How do those two things connect?
0: Yeah, well, well, um, phobia is the far end
1: of the spectrum
0: but there's a low end called inactivity, procrastination, hesitation, fear of failure, fear of success. All of those things are the thieves of our dreams. And all of them can cause and do cause various levels of, uh, of stagnation and paralyzation. In other words, um, if a person in their heart, they, they want to have a relationship, they, they, they yearn to, to have a business, um, they, they wanna make more money, they, they wanna have a better body, and they don't do what is necessary. It's plain and simple. There is some fear somewhere along that, along that spectrum of phobia and mild inactivity or procrastination. There's something going on there. And it all comes down to not just recognizing what that fear is, which, it, which is always a first step, um, and, and not just taking it out, but replacing it with something that serves you. So in other words, I, I use the dog for an example. You know, if you have a fear of dogs, you've got to say, okay, well, what's it stopping you from doing? And in, 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 a, in that case, in somebody like that, it stops them from you know, going, in, and they think it's just a dog, but guess what? They procrastinate in other things in their lives. So it's processional and it is, it, it's global. Meaning, so if I can help them get over that fear of dogs, and replace it with something that that dog actually triggers them to get excited and go towards it. Then guess what? It's going to have a trickle down theory on or trickle down effect on everything else that they do. And so from a business aspect from, you know, there's, there's five areas of our lives, uh, mental, emotional, financial, physical, and relationships. Uh, I I should say, I'm sorry. uh, Yeah. The five areas there's, there's emotional, financial, physical relationships and spirituality. And all of those areas, if we find ourselves not, at the very least, in a dead run to getting what we want and enjoying ourselves and doing it, it's a, it's a telltale sign that there's some fear involved. So my job is to help me figure out what that fear is. And then number two, help, help bring it to the surface, like bring the dog, and mm-hmm. then eliminate it, and then replace it with something that serves you. And then that yeah. att- attach that to your goals.
1: Yeah. There's two things there that I want to follow up on. One, this is the law of sacrifice. That's my framework for it, right? Like you have to eliminate the thing that is of a lower nature, but then you have to fill it with something of a higher nature, right? So you can't just get rid of the phobia. You have to, you have to be moving towards something and, and giving people the thing that's, 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 or helping them find the thing that's really calling them. Now that The next thing that I want to point out there that I'd love your insight on is this idea, the way I've always been been taught it and what I tell my my clients is you have to want it badly enough. You, You have to want what you want badly enough. And you can't let the fear stop you, right? The fear, your desire has to be greater than your fear. And yet people can consciously say, oh, yeah, I really want that right? That's, that's consciously what I really want, but subconsciously their fear is driving them. And I know that based on their results, their results are showing me that they're, they're procrastination, procrastinating or getting distracted or at the same level or whatever it is. So, um, how do you, how do you go about helping people recognize that it's actually, that they actually have a fear?
0: Well, first getting them to recognize there is a difference between because people come to people like yourself and, and, and me because they feel that they are not functioning at their optimum, they feel like they, they can they could should would do more they want more out of themselves, they want more out of life and all those things, and they either look at a person like you and they say, "Here's a super super successful, you know brilliant, gorgeous woman and and I want some of that as well, and she can teach me how to do that so they come with those wants and hopes and everything that's called desire. You know, that they, they, they see something in me and desire doesn't mean I just want something desire means I want something. And there's a part of me that believes that I can
1: have it and, and deserve. it. And so oh, I love that, that nuance, that, that, that yeah. subtle distinction. Cause it's true. It's, it's like when, when I feel that hook of desire, it's not just, Oh yeah, that would be nice. Or I want that. It's, I want that. It's a stretch for me. And I can, but I, I know that's in my realm of possibility. That's a very good distinction. I love that. And
0: that you deserve it. And that there's a part of you that's going to be, here's the word fulfilled when you get that.
1: Yeah. I love that. Though I will say, I don't know if it's the same thing for you, Joseph. Now I, now I know, but when I first started this process, I had this big goal, right? My, my thing was financial. I was like, I want to make a million dollars this, this year. Okay. And I I was in a seminar and I was listening to someone and he said, you know, this is possible, basically. And I was like, wow, is this possible? I want this. If this is possible, I want this. And I went for it but there were wobbles after that. It wasn't like rainbows and unicorns, right? Like I, I, I said that I wanted it. I felt like it was possible for me. There was this moment when I felt like I deserved it. But then after that, as I was going through the process, right? The the truth is like, well, maybe I'm not cut out for this or maybe I can't do this. And and you start, yeah. And you start doubting. So anyways, I I cut you off from your previous thoughts, but I think that's a really interesting, uh, Thought because I think what happens for most people is they lose the motivation or they lose the stamina because they're not perfect already. They, they, they hear us say, you know, desire is causative, go towards what you want, go after it, right? But there's effort and there's a time horizon between when you start and when you achieve your goal. And even if you're making some progress there, which is always really helpful and motivating, there's this place where you're like, you start down well, maybe I should, I see this all the time. Maybe I should change my goal. Maybe I should right, yeah. make it smaller because it's, I, I maybe, should. maybe I'm asking too much of the universe, the world of myself, all of that. So how do you, how do you help people with that? Well,
0: it, it comes down to these two things. Number one, um, progress happens in the bridge between your desire and your fear. There, there is, and most people don't even realize that there is that, that correlation but as soon as one goes okay because desire here's the second thing desire is kind of like a warm bath or as my my friend les brown says it's like it's like peeing in the bed you know it feels good in the moment you know but at some point you got to get up and do something about it (laughs)
1: that's a funny
0: analogy but okay i'm gonna go with it and and it's you know it's like that it feels good in the moment and we get inspired because i would throw back to you vera that what is it that ab- about you? Now you said that, yeah, there were struggles and there always will be, but what is it about you that made you stand up to those, sh- those struggles and go, okay, well, I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to do it anyway. What took you from your desire to do it? And you know, when you got inspired by that person telling you
1: that they- Fear. Yeah, fear. <laughs> always is. But here's the deal. Yeah. Is that fear- you want to know what the fear was? Yeah, please. Because <laughs> I, I think it's important for at least my audience to know this, okay? But, I'm sure you'll relate on some level. So I signed up for um, a six figure coaching investment yeah. uh-huh. and um, I did it after agreeing with my husband that I wouldn't do that. <laughs> and <There you> go. <laughs> and I, when I signed on the dotted line, I was crying. I, like, it's not dripping out of my nose. Everything, <laughs> like all the cells in my body were shaking. Yeah. But I also knew that I really wanted it. And so I broke a trust and that, and I'm not proud of that, proud, not proud. Like I'm not proud of that part. I am proud because I was following what I knew was right for me. And I, in in hindsight, it was absolutely the right decision. And my husband got over it when I started to make it, you know, a ton of money. He was like, Oh, that was a great decision. <laughs> um, but at the, t- at the time I was like, I am not going to get divorced over this. Like, I'm not going to lose that investment for myself, but even if I would think about possibly blowing it off for myself, I wasn't going to, um, break that deeper level trust, which was let's make good on this investment with my then husband. I, I, I was like that I did not want to be someone who effed it up so badly. Right. And so that was the, that was the fear. Um, Yeah, I'm not. And by the way, I'm not advocating this as a practice for people. No, no. But yeah. However,
0: here's what I'll say. There's some distinctions in what you just said there. And that was brilliant. And that is the distinction between what people call fear. Fear is a warning to pay attention. Fear is not designed to paralyze us because you made a distinction. You actually turned your fear into purpose. You've turned your fear yes. into the carrot on the stick. you turned your, yes. your fear into your reason why. And that's the bridge. See, when people realize, that, oh, yeah, I am afraid. Because there are a lot of people, the ego gets in not, No, I'm not afraid. It's just that, you know, I, I got big bones or, or you know, my, my whatever excuse comes along. Okay, that is negating that bridge. And what you did was you said, okay, this is what I want. That's my desire. And then you had a fear. But your fear was not disappointing your husband or going back on that or even, um, you know, losing your marriage over that. Your fear was, was not moving from what you knew you were to what you knew you wanted. Your fear was failure. Fear, like I said, fear of success, fear of failure, procrastination, hesitation. Those are all the thieves of our dreams. But what made it work for you, if I might, so bold is the fact that you said okay well the bridge in between there is if i do this i get to keep my marriage i get to get the respect of my husband i get to make lots of money and my life changes and i fulfill my purpose all of those that's the bridge and and when you help people recognize what that is and they focus on that then guess what the fear may still exist but the fear it makes you go into activity, not action, because actually is just once or twice. But activity means over and over and over again. And that turns into discipline, which turns into skill, which turns into results.
1: End of story. Mastery. Yes, absolutely. So it's really about recognizing that fear has its place, not, not turning your back on fear, but understanding how to work with it so that it becomes something that drives you and not, doesn't paralyze you. And pulls you.
0: In other words yes. when you run towards your fear which is totally so uh um uh, what's the word i'm looking for um, Counterintuitive. counterintuitive yes um, yeah. when you run towards your fear something happens in you from a biochemical standpoint you you create dopamine you create excitement about it because you're only running towards it because you want to kill it because you want to do something about it you're only running yeah. toward you're not running towards it going oh i hope i die You know, I hope this paralyzes me. I hope this, you're going, you're running towards it because you're going, oh, I'm going to expose it. And that's the interesting thing about fear. It's
1: It's, that's, that's for, for those of you who are listening, who are in business for yourself and you're trying to figure out how to freaking pick up the phone to call Mm. that potential client or call that person to get on their stage or do that thing where you're freaking out beforehand. Okay. And I see this all the time with my clients and I'm like, okay, we're setting a deadline. You're doing it. And that's part of how coaching works aside from the, the belief work and the identity work. All of that is really important you know, business models. There's so much to it, but, yeah. but the, the pain of not doing it, the paralysis of being in the fear and, and, and not taking the action is a thousand times worse than Taking the action because you're moving towards the the fear and you get that dopamine hit. And inevitably my clients will say to me, Oh, that wasn't so bad after all. Exactly. Right. And like that was kind of fun. And oh my goodness. And and so if you're listening and there's something that you're resisting, move towards the resistance. Move towards the fear. Fear is telling you what to do, not what not to do. It's calling you. I love it. I love it. Okay. So talk to us about encoding. When I was on your podcast, and I forget the context of it, Joseph, so forgive me that, but that's you okay. mentioned encoding, and I was like, oh, that's, that, it, you know, my, my dog ears mm-hmm. went up, and I was like, that sounds um, very useful. So can you explain what that is, and if it relates to what we're talking about, how does it relate?
0: Yeah, I'll start by saying this, um, that the difference between inspiration and activity, which is what produces results is, um, like I said, that bridge between the fear and, and your your desire comes about when it, it is the way, remember at the beginning of this, I said, here's where we are. This is, you know, we start from today that old saying that today is the first day of the rest of your life. That's so true. But what people don't recognize is it's the last day of your past. In other words, it's from this point forward. And so I Uh, Again, I'm super, super thankful for somebody entering my life and giving me something and a guide to go along that even though I didn't know at the time, Amira, that that was starting to reprogram me, that was what started me on my journey. But as I started learning all of these methodologies and as I started producing results for other people, what I started to recognize is that everything that I've studied, everything that I've learned... All the degrees, all the certifications, and everything. I'm at the risk of sounding arrogant, super, super effective at getting people to produce change. Not producing change in them, but getting people to do it for themselves. Because the truth of the matter is, you know, as a coach, as a mentor, as a teacher, and all those things, I'm only in front of them for an hour, hour and a half, you know, whatever, and then I'm gone. And the rest of the time, it's them with themselves. And so, What I learned is this, with all of this, I I will honestly say my success in my own life, my own personal success, but more importantly, the success that I've been able to produce for other people, help them produce for themselves, all comes down to a set of processes, skills, and and, um, methodologies that get them to reprogram themselves. And so all of the things that I know, I only use a handful of them, quite honestly, with all of the, you know, like I said, hypnotherapy, you know, neurolinguistics, neuroassociative conditioning, all of those things, even the, you know, all of the, the things that I've learned, it's like the, it's like the, the apps on your phone. I don't know how many apps you have. I got sixty or so, but how many do you actually use? You know, it's consistently. Those other ones are great, and you can go get them when you need them. And so what I did was I created something called it's called neuro encoding, and that is. The, the methodologies, the tools, the processes that I have used over these years, and it, you know, I've had the privilege of working with Academy Award-winning movie stars, and and Grammy winners, and major sports figures, and politicians, and you name it—millionaires, billionaires—you know, you know all those, all those things. And not the least of which, you know, my partnership and my business partnership with my dear friend uh, Tony Robbins for three decades now. And that doesn't happen because I'm so cute. <laughs> that, that happens because I'm effective at what I do, at the risk of sounding arrogant. And so I took all of those things and I distilled them down into a set, a, 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 a group of processes and things that I can teach to other people. So I created something called neuroencoding. Neuroencoding is the deliberate programming or encoding into one's nervous system. The, uh, the beliefs and the emotions that cause them to automatically default to their best behavior. What does that mean? That through certain processes, very simple exercises, some of them are so simple, it's ridiculous. People will roll their eyes and then they'll go, I can't believe that that worked. But a certain set of processes, and I I say this.
1: Can you give us an example? I I will. That would be great. I absolutely
0: will. I'll give you a perfect example in a second. But I'll say this because let me tell you who this is for, uh, because I love what I do. I absolutely love what I do. And I want to make sure that I fulfill that promise that I made to my friend years ago and for as many people as I possibly can. I have the privilege, as you know, uh, of being, even now during COVID, I have the privilege of being in front of, we just did a 35,000 person event, online event. And I want more. I want to impact more people. And the only way I can do that is by teaching other people what I know. And so, if you're a teacher, a mentor, a coach, a facilitator, a knowledge broker—you have a knowledge-based business whether you do masterminds or anything like that—I created something to teach these processes that I do, so that people can have that certification. Because my certifications—they are—they do allow me; they're kind of my calling card. Oftentimes, people say, "Well, Joseph, you're certified in this," and I think that's why I looked you up. And so I provided that for everybody else. But I'll give you a perfect example. And whether you're listening to us or watching us, I'll start here. It's always like this. As we think, so we feel. As we feel, so we do. As we do, so we have. That's how we function as human beings. When you understand that, then it goes, okay, well, how do I change how I think on a consistent basis? Not just a mindset, but a psychology change. But it's a a loop. Our bodies feed our minds. And vice versa, and it's it's a loop. So watch this, and and you do it. Okay, here's what I want you to do. Well, first off, let's let's just say this. Well, let me let me give you the exercise first, okay? And everybody watch her lovely face as she does. And everybody, as if you're not, if you're listening to this, just do this. Put a frown on your face, a big frown on your face, scowl on your face. There you go. Now, with that scowl on your face, take a deep breath. Okay, now let it out. Now, put a smile on your face big smile there you go with that big smile on your face now take a deep breath now you can see it in her but let's see which one did you get the deeper breath
1: oh my god by like 20 times yeah I, it's with a like, smile on my face it, it's, I, it's like i could not breathe with a frown on my face yes. it cut off my breath completely
0: now as simple as this when you look at it from just a simple neurophysical standpoint facts your brain runs on oxygen the more oxygen you have the better your brain works the more oxygen you have the more optimistic you are optimistic in my means in, in my explanation is you have more options you see when you're when you're pessimistic you got two options fight or flight it's your sympathetic nervous system when you're optimistic you got lots of different options
1: And you can then see opportunities. I think you should build that into your talk also. That, like, that that it's not just options, but you see opportunities when you're in a negative headspace. Man, it's like doom and gloom. Everything's cut off. This is the way it's going to be forever. You're in this little narrow, narrow thinking, and you're not seeing everything that's here, that's here right now, waiting for you to take action on. So, being optimistic is like you see the. opportunities and you then know that you have options right all yes. of these things
0: yes and it's sequential meaning there's that's just one thing that you're looking at but the process of encoding is to encode yourself these three things i always say this psychology is different than mindset psychology is a mindset implies that you have a certain set of thoughts about a certain thing about money about uh, you know i'm uh, um, Your, your weight or your, your physical body or anything like that. You've got a certain set of thoughts, but you got to ask what makes you believe those thoughts? What makes you keep those thoughts? And it comes down to your psychology and your psychology are the constant conscious and unconscious thoughts that we have about these three things ourselves, meaning our identity, other people, meaning other, you know, individuals around us or in our lives, and then situations and circumstances like environment. And so one of the things that we do in neuroencoding is to encode into yourself. So it's, remember, it's a default that when it comes to you, when you think about you, you think, oh, I'm a badass. I'm amazing. I deserve this. I'm off the charts. Not from an arrogant standpoint, but just like a baby. I just made a video about this on, on Instagram today. And that is this. Every baby comes into this world knowing that they are the bomb. They never question it. They go, I'm hungry. So somebody come give me some food and I deserve it. At four in the morning. Yeah, at four in the morning. And, they, and that's the certainty that they have. And so the revolution, people, because I have this thing called the brain revolution, and it's not revolting, it is revolving. Going back to that mindset that you had as a child, what if you had it as an adult, that you're unstoppable? You know, I love your word, unstoppable. It's one of the things that I, I just, I'm fascinated with what you do because you, you instill that in people and get them to realize, oh, wait a minute, unstoppable means just that. You can't stop me. I'm not going to stop
1: me. And and to that point, what you were saying earlier, when we, when I was talking about my uh, quantum leap, if you will, and you were breaking it down for us, it wasn't just that I took action, but I took, I I stayed in activity. Like I used that fear to stay in motion with this concept, you know, 2020 hindsight, when I was first doing this, I didn't have the concept of being unstoppable, but now it's so true, and this is what you were talking about, this is what you teach, that it's not just action, it's that activity that, so that you don't get hung up,
0: correct? Absolutely, so that it becomes automatic that you don't get hung up, and so that yeah. when hang-ups come, you go, oh boy, another hang-up, another, another thing that I'm going to get past, um, and you know, my thing with all that here is I want to teach as many people to do this as possible. Because as, as noble as this is going to sound, and you and I had this conversation on my podcast that, uh, you know, I, my belief is that those of us that dare to dream while the rest of the world is having a nightmare, and they are, I mean, let's face it, we're not only going to create the abundance that we want for our lives. The greatest part about it is that we become beacons of possibility for other people as well. And so, for and, and, and I, like I said, I designed this for everybody. Uh, if you're a coach, mentor, teacher, or things like that. And uh, uh, to add to what you already do, or if you need something to teach people, we all grow best and fastest when we teach. We all grow, you know, it's like, it's when, it's why you do what you do right now. You know, Mm -hmm. I see you light up when you talk about the people that you've helped and the the lives that you've changed.
1: So tell people now, I think this is a perfect segue, how can they, if they are a teacher, if they are a coach, if they're a um, teacher. Someone who really wants to communicate this, this knowledge and wants a framework for it. And would you also say it's for people who want to learn this to help themselves?
0: Yes, absolutely. It's, it's for, okay. it's, yes, we designed it uh, exactly for them, for teachers, mentors, okay. coaches, and for everybody. If you want to make a change in yourself, of course.
1: Yeah. I think that's always, personally, I think that's always the place to start with, with new material is like work it for yourself. That's that integrity piece that you were talking about earlier. Like make sure it works for you and then go and teach it. So where can people find this and find you and find out more about learning from you?
0: Well, well first off, you, you, I want to expand on what you just said there because that's the absolute truth. You cannot go through this course without doing it to yourself first. It is a must. And, and we actually follow with you and go along with it because it is that integrity piece or i say physician heal thyself you know don't go try to learn how to lose weight from somebody that's severely overweight or obese you know it doesn't mean that that they have to have that they've lost all the weight but they at least should be on the on the journey and getting some results so um the integrity is really important so you have to do that and so right now i created something and i say to everybody don't take my word for it Don't take Amira's word for it. Go get it for yourself. And so we created something that we call the brain revolution, which, by the way, I I can't believe I'm talking about about him. My business partner right now in, in launching this is a Dr. Daniel Amen. And Dr. Eamon, oh, yeah, look at you. Yeah, he's amazing. Amazing I love him.
1: For those of you who are listening to the podcast and not watching this on on YouTube, I just got this huge smile on my (laughs) face because I, I, you know, the the part of me that geeks out on the science stuff, really, like, I'm like, wow, you can scan people's brains and you know exactly what's going on. Anyways, I think he's fascinating and amazing. And I've done those brain scans and I just think the world of,
0: he and I were actually launching this uh, uh, because
1: he he is the hardware. In other words, in
0: case you don't know who he is, he is, in my opinion, the world's uh, greatest and best with a brain scans. So in other words, he literally can scan your brain and tell you what's going on. And, and I'm living proof of it. Uh, so he's the hardware. He'll tell you what's going on inside your brain and uh, and how what we can do to change it and make it better. And then I'm the software. In other words... Uh, On the software and the programming side, in other words, to to program yourself, I always use the word default so that you default to your best self so that without you having to do something to make your move or put yourself in state or something like that, you automatically default to that place that says that you have that certainty that you go, of course, I can do this, of course, I want to do it. We automatically default to that bridge that you had in between there that says, I'm going to do this because I'm going to enhance my marriage, I'm going to make a lot of money, I'm going to get this, all those things. That, that is your default with your options. And so we created something called the Brain Revolution, and it's happening right now. And um, you can go there. Um, there's two ways you can get there somewhere. One is called the uh, go to brainrevolution.com, or you can go to my Instagram, which is I am Joseph McClendon, and click on my profile, and that link is there as well. But what it is, is we're going to do a summit, and it's absolutely free, by the way. And, and the summit is, we're going to teach all about it. I'm actually going to teach you some skills. And so is Dr. Amon going to teach you some skills on the summit. You can go there now and register for it. I think it's April the 10th coming up. Uh, and you know, as podcasts go, maybe people are listening to this afterwards, but you can just go to Brain Revolution and you can get this information. And what my promise to everybody is this. I call it tell, show, try, do. And what that means is is. Great if I can inspire you and motivate you, but like I said about what you do in the bed, <laughs> uh, that last—that's like a you know a warm bath. It, it's going to wear off, and if you do nothing about the underlying fear or challenge that's going on underneath, it will resurface. That's where procrastination, hesitation, fear, failure, all that stuff shows up. And so um, I'm I'm going to show you skills of you know at the very least. Number one, being able to discover what your fear is. Number two is to interrupt that pattern and create a chasm, a scotoma, a blank spot in between. The and then thirdly, fill it up with something uh, that is going to serve you. We're going to teach you a skill. We're going to do it together. And then you can, you'll have it that you can do on your own. And then, and the, the program is designed to give you all the information that you need so that, or wherever you are. And I love that you added that if you're a person that, hey, I'm not a teacher, I'm not a mentor, which everybody is, by the way. If you have kids or if you have friends or anything like that, you are. Um, okay. but, but that's not your profession. Use, use this for yourself. But if you are, if you're you know, a therapist, if you're a coach, mentor, teacher, anything like that, this is such a great thing to add to your, um, your repertoire, if you will, to produce major results.
1: So let me ask you a question on that. I, by the way, I, I personally agree that we are all teachers and that we're all here to share and and, and, and grow. However, I have a, a, a little, um, an edge to, to walk with you on that one. So do you think everyone wants to change? That everyone actually is motivated and has the desire to become more? Now, I, I'm going to expound on that a little bit. Okay, so my personal stance is that we 're all here to grow we We have all come into this world with a a, a dna a spiritual DNA if you will that's that's a growth directive it 's here for more life and yet there are some people who, like you and me, were like, you put a little tiny little breadcrumb in front of us and it lights us up and we 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 see the light and we're like, Oh my God, let's go. And, and then I, I run into people who say that they want things, but they don't actually have, um, what at least evidence wise from their results and how they respond to new information show that they actually do have a big desire to change and grow. So that was a lot of context. I think they do underneath a lot of programming, but it, it's, it, maybe it's suppressed, maybe it's, um, it hasn't been fertilized and given life, so they, they don't know what to do with that. What is your, your take on that?
0: Uh, um, it depends on the individual. And in general, you're absolutely right. Everybody. It's in our DNA. Listen, a sperm cell doesn't, want to remain a sperm cell. There's something inside of it that says, I want more. The egg doesn't want to remain an egg. There's something inside of it that makes it leave the cluster and go find its, its place and wait and, and do what it takes to attract that sperm cell. It's in every single spark of every single cell to change and to be more than we are. And it, you know that's biography, right? biology right there, period, bottom line. And so it never goes away. But you hit the nail on the head with when you said programming and input and all the things that we talked about before at the beginning of this, that whatever happened to us up until this point has happened to us and made us who we are. We, have, we all have fears. We all do. The difference is what you do about that fear, what you do about that fear, will determine what you will continue to do about that fear. My friend Sid Jacobson, who is one of the, the world-renowned greatest NLP, neurolinguistic Linguistic Programming Teacher, he says something that is just brilliant. He says, people don't do things out of intelligence or out of preference. They do it out of familiarity. So the more you do something, repetition, the more you do something, the more you will. The more you do the good stuff, the more you're going to want to do it. The more you do the bad stuff. If you sit around on the couch and, and watch Netflix, that's what you get used to doing eat a bunch of cookies all day long and that's what you get used to doing from a biophysical standpoint from a psychological standpoint it's all going to add up and that will be your norm but what we bring to the table a person like yourself and myself is not just examples of possibility but we we bring tangible methodology to break that cycle and and breaking the cycle is one thing but if you don't replace it with something if you don't replace it with something that makes you go towards that thing and you don't condition it so that that becomes the norm, then it will come back. And so the process of, uh, like I said, neuroencoding encoding is are all those processes of discovery, interrupting the pattern, replacing it with, with uh, you know, from an emotional, from a, a spiritual standpoint, replacing it with something that serves you, and then let's go after your goal. Because it's, it's the other way around. Like most goal-setting workshops and things like that, they say, start with your goal. And they say, here's what I want. And I say, yes, that's great. And let's start with who you are. Let's start with your identity. That's the scariest place for most people. But it, because when you, when you figure out that, then people start to go, oh, that's why I didn't do this. That's why I didn't do well in school. That's why you know I was overweight here. That's why I did this. And when you have that freedom, that's a pull.
1: Absolutely. And and I think, would you agree that they need to happen concurrently? Like yeah, the, no doubt. That, I mean, this that's how I teach it. It's like, tell me what you want, and then we're going to work with your identity. Absolutely. And both of those two things have to run parallel paths. Otherwise, you get in this little loop where you keep wanting something, hitting a wall, not but, because you're not getting it, and then you get... Dejected, demoralized, and you stop trying at the same level. Yeah, it gets harder and harder,
0: especially for achievers. That is why so many achievers, you know, live unfulfilled lives. They want, they want, they want, they desire more. And guess what? Deep inside, they're riddled with imposter syndrome. They're riddled with with doubt and fear and all those things. And and even when they do get what they want, they're miserable. You know, I can't tell you how many times I've seen that over and over again. Achievers that don't reach what they want, and they're miserable, not because they don't have it. and then achievers that reach what they want and they're miserable because they have it.
1: yeah, let's talk about that. so there there is this thing that happens where you achieve the goal, and if you haven't set your next goal or if you haven't actually fallen in love with the activity or the process as you say, that you achieve that goal and you're like it's a fear victory, right? it's 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 un satisfying I I know that or it's short-lived satisfaction let's say that um I know that that was the case for me when you know when I was after I did this big breakthrough with the finances I was like oh can I use this methodology with other aspects of my life and I did it for letting go of some weight and I after I let go of the weight, I started to run. And I was like, oh, I wonder if I can run a marathon. And I signed up to run a marathon, not doing any research on what it takes <laughs> to train for a marathon, and realized that I was like completely cuckoo. But I someone suggested this run-walk methodology, and I and I did that. And I completed the the marathon doing this cycling of running, walking, running, walking, running, walking. And I was super proud of myself because I went from being basically a couch potato, not being like Miss Athletic. Like my parents growing up, they were like, let's read the newspaper. What do you mean you want to ride a bike? You know, like it was like it was an academic world, not an athletic world. And so I had that was my identity. Look, I'm still reinforcing it. I need to not do that. But that was my that was my old identity was not athletic. So this was a big deal to take that action to achieve that, and then after you, you know, run a marathon, and I had trained and I had done twenty three miles like two or three weeks before I ran it, and so you take some time off. But I didn't set a new goal, right? And afterwards, I was a little like, oh, okay, now what? like, not not motivated to stay in the habit of being an athlete, being, um, th- that new identity. It was just about having achieved that. And I thought, Oh, that's interesting. Look at that. Cause in my business, I am, I'm, I'm wired differently yeah. and I'm always setting new goals and I was able to do it to an extent with running the marathon, but not, not as deeply as with the business. So what say you to that?
0: Well, first off, you, you, act, you actually answered the question yourself and maybe <laughs> not knew it, and that is this. Um, you had uh, something that I call the achievers fatal flaw syndrome, and that is this. Achievers are never satisfied. And if you ask them, you know, or you, or, you know when are you satisfied? They go, never be satisfied till I get my goal. Well, that's telling me you're not, A, you're probably not going to get your goal, and B, you're going to be miserable on the journey. Because here's what achievers do Achievers, when they go after something, inevitably they're going to hit hardships. Inevitably they're not going to succeed the first time. And when they do, and when they don't succeed, then guess what? They give themselves pain. I got to work harder. You know, I didn't do good enough. There's something wrong with me. All that stuff. That's obvious. You don't want to do that because that's obviously beating yourself up. But here's the flaw, and that is this. When they do achieve, even if they didn't succeed the first time, they don't celebrate. They don't celebrate even with their, their I don't call them failures, but not succeeding the first time. And I'll give you the example. A baby, for the very first time, turns around to its mother and father, its parents, and goes, ma. The parents never go, you're an idiot. The word is mother. I can't believe how stupid you are. Other babies, to other babies say mother. Michael, down the street, he's six months younger than you, and he says mother. Ma, come on. They don't do that. They go crazy. They go, Ma, this is your first word. And they reward the baby. They praise the baby.
1: And so the, every step along the way, we're every, praising ourselves. Every, so, okay. So I'm going to play little devil's advocate. All right, come there on. You, you okay? don't scare me. So, come on. <laughs> so when I went from not being able to run to the corner to being able to run to the corner, I celebrated. And then I ran my first mile and I celebrated. Then I ran my second mile and I celebrated. And then I ran, you know, seven miles, 10 miles, whatever it was, I would celebrate along the way. I would, it would be like uh, a celebration. And then, okay, what's, what's the next, what's the next thing? Yes. Yeah. So is that, so maybe I'm not doing devil's advocate, but is that not celebrating enough when it,
0: you're, it's, it's not, it's not that you're not celebrating enough. It is, it is what I started off saying is that not being satisfied. In other words, if you satisfaction doesn't mean I'm done satisfaction means i get to feel good about what i've accomplished now and if that's all i did i feel good about that that is so awesome and there's a huge difference when you're making love you don't go okay i'm you know uh, i'm, I'm going to get satisfied from this or i'm going to satisfy myself or whatever and i'm done i don't need to do this anymore you're going it's,
1: you always want more you always
0: want more okay? yeah. and so from that celebration and satisfaction comes the impetus to do more and it, it makes Makes you go, okay, well, I get to do this next thing because I get to get the same feeling when I get my next milestone and I get this, get the same thing. And then what happens is that you become conditioned. Remember, it, we do things out of repetition, we do things out of familiarity. You become the carrot, you give yourself that carrot on the stick. And so you start going towards no matter what, even if I fail, even if I don't succeed at it, I still get to feel good because I'm a badass. And you get to go yeah. self to self for progress.
1: So I think you just answered something for me. So when I celebrated getting to the corner, right, and the first mile, and the second mile, and the third mile, and the seventh mile, all of that. I celebrated like this much. Mm-hmm. There you go. Okay, that's that's the issue, right? So when I finished the marathon, even though I was proud of myself and I had accomplished this thing and I was like, "Yay, I celebrated this much," right? but I didn't ne- then have a plan for what came after. So I wasn't, I wasn't, I think what you're saying is I wasn't fully like really in the celebration. Are you saying that? Am yes, I'm yes. reading the reading you're, between you're absolutely okay. on. You're
0: brilliant because okay. that is the key celebrate like you want, you know, in, in the course, the neuroencoding course, I tell a story about how I worked with a, a uh, Olympic runner and even when he didn't succeed, I had him celebrate like he won the gold medal. And guess yeah. what, he went on to win the medal. And yeah. that's what he wasn't doing before. He gave a little bit of celebration, but I, and it depends on how you celebrate as well. You know how many shake that ass, do whatever it takes, how you celebrate, but fully celebrate, fully celebrate and recognize that you are satisfied. Satisfied, meaning satisfied means you feel good in that moment, ah, oh, yeah, that was wonderful. Yes.
1: Now so is this also about like the that your subconscious doesn't know the difference between what you're imagining exactly. and what's real? So okay, yeah. got it. So so it's it's you know you may not have won that race right to your the the athletic uh, athlete, but you're going to celebrate in your mind so that your your subconscious catches up to speed and goes, Oh, we have to create this. We have to make this happen because this has already happened. And that now I'm not in integrity with myself. Very
0: well put, very well put. Because it becomes real. Your your brain can't tell the difference between what's real and what's not when you vividly imagine it. So vividly imagine your ass off constantly. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. Okay. So any last words that you would like to leave our (laughs) listeners with? This has been so good.
0: No, there is. Uh, a couple of things. First off, please join me at the Brain Revolution. And I have lots of uh, free resources there right now. Go get them and, and you'll learn more about myself, my my uh, business partners and, and so on and so forth. This is stuff that, that you can use right now to make a difference in your life. Uh, join me there. Um, and the last thing I'll say is this, that life is exactly what you dare to make it. And fortune favors the bold. And there's no better example or or phrase that I could use for being bold than unstoppable. It's what I love about you and what you do and the lives that you've changed. And I say to everybody that's listening, get it for yourself so that you can give it to other people as well. Our lives are defined by what we give, not what we get. But that cybernetic loop is what we give is what we get as well. So, you know, get out there and teach it. You don't have to give me credit for it. Or a mirror credit port, but get it and and go out there and teach to other people. It is a lucrative field, meaning there's a lot of money in it, especially right now, especially for people that are uh, that are information brokers or you know, masterminds and coaches and mentors. But it's also a, a you know I, I I will say that we're on this planet to give and to care and to be kind to other people as well. And the biggest gift that you can give to somebody else is their own beautiful psychology.
1: I love that. I love that. And if you work it yourself and change your own psychology, you're giving that gift to every single person you interact with. Oh, you a girl. Yeah. Right. Like it is, it's, it's like, even if you never like formally taught it to someone, if you change how you're showing up in this world, then Everyone is affected by it. Your, your kids, your life partner, the people in the grocery store, the people at the gas station. It doesn't matter. Your clients, it, everyone, there's a follow-on effect that is huge because you're no longer in self-limitation. You, you are now showing up fully in this world. So ooh, ooh,
0: ooh, let, me, let me just say one last thing. I promise I'll okay. shut up. Yes, after yes, Because yes, you
1: just said something <laughs> that was just
0: magnificent. Uh, and that is this, that yes. It, it, I, you see, I come from a scientific background as well. I'm a scientist. You know, when I taught at UCLA, I had to, I had to prove everything that I taught because I taught to engineers and they're the smartest people on the planet. And so everything that I'm about to say is provable. And if you don't believe me, go on YouTube University and look it up. Here's, here's proof of what you just said is true, that we impact people just with our presence. We've all had this kind of situation we're sitting in our car the windows are rolled up we're listening to our jams you know and all of a sudden we feel somebody looking at us and we look over and there they are looking at us or we maybe are sitting in our car same situation and we see maybe an attractive person or an interesting person we look at that person and they feel us looking at them what happens is when we put our attention and intention outside of ourselves and onto something else or someone else for biochemical energetic provable things happen. Number one, our electromagnetic energy expands. Don't believe me? Go look on YouTube. Look up something called Carillion Photography. It'll show your, 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 your energy growing. The second thing that happens, they feel it. That's why they catch you. The third thing that happens is their electromagnetic energy grows. And the fourth thing that happens is you become magnetized towards each other. That person becomes closer to you you have more connection i got chills when i just said that and so what happens is i always say to people better yourself so that you can better other people better yourself with the intention of at the very least being that example for somebody else by your presence but do that and and it's processional and it's geometric and that way at the risk of sounding too noble we change the planet (laughs)
1: It's not too noble, it's the truth. And yes. and when you change your energy and your energy field and not, it, it, it's scientific, it's not just woo-woo to say energy field. Th- what happens is you attract people that start yes. looking at you- yes. And and then they they if they're open to it are open to the expansion and the change and the the communication that you're putting out there non-verbally even in this world it's so powerful it's absolutely huge so I just want to thank you Joseph for coming on the show uh, using me as your guinea pig and. <laughs> you know showing people how simple these techniques can be yet how powerful they are like it's not complicated but you have to you actually have to be present and questioning and and engaged and and willing to be someone who who learns and and I'm just so grateful that you went through everything that you did go through. I mean, I don't like the hard and the the painful and the, the, the racism and all of that, that we started off this program with, but, but it's given us, I get to be the recipient of the amazing journey that you went on from that point forward and, and, and all that you're, you're teaching. So I truly appreciate you, your presence, your, your articulation and the way you, um, Quite frankly, break it down into a methodology into clear, simple steps. I think that's really super helpful. And I encourage everyone to go check him and Dr. Amen out at the brainrevolution.com. Did I get that right? That's correct. Okay, Actually,
0: just just brainrevolution.com.
1: No the okay. Brainrevolution.com. Okay. So that is a wrap. Thank you. My pleasure. Take Thank you. Bye. Every day I get some sort of text, post, or email from a client saying how happy and grateful they are for the money that's coming in, the breakthrough that's occurred, or how they can't believe how quickly all the manifestation and goal achievement has happened. I'd love to share the secret sauce with you as well. Join us at the Unstoppable Woman Income Breakthrough Summit. Learn more and grab your ticket at theunstoppablewoman.com summit.